sinners in need of a Savior without that love. And that love came in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, taking our sins and taking that punishment, going to the grave, but three days later rising again. We are so thankful for that, Lord. Lord, I pray that singing these songs would allow us to to reset our hearts and minds, that we'd be ready for the word of God, that we'd be ready for how it would impact our lives and change us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can take your seats. Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you grab them, please, and open them to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 14 this morning. And uh, if, if you're a guest with us, again, we're just so thankful you're here. And as I was just looking around the room during worship, I'm just so thankful for so, so many of you who have uh, not only been attending here, but support this ministry through your service, through your participation as brothers and sisters in Christ. What a great uh, body to be a part of. And you guys are a ministry to us as a staff. We're just really, really grateful. I have just a couple of things I want to touch on before we dig into God's Word this morning. Um, This is the second weekend of our Group Connect, and Group Connect is that time of the year where we're getting back, getting ready to send the kids back to school And uh, we're getting ready to kick off our ministry here. Next weekend is our kickoff Sunday. And shortly after that, all of our children's ministry, small groups, discipleship will kick off. And so I would really encourage you. uh, Pastor Justin's message last week, if you weren't able to hear it, I would encourage you to listen to it online. What a challenge for us as living stones to be fit together as a body, being able to cause each other to grow closer to Christ and have that community. It's one of the ways, if, if you've been uh, maybe uh, not very a long attender here, and maybe you've come from a smaller church, uh, the numbers and the size of our church might be a little bit intimidating at first. I know it was for me several years ago. Um, One of the ways, though, that you can get over that and kind of find that small church feel, that family feel that so many of us love and we desire and crave is through discipleship in small groups. And so I would really encourage you to to step out and to get get involved. We've got plenty of opportunities. There'll be some people after the service out here in the registration area uh, for you to talk to, can answer your questions to get you plugged in. And uh, if you can't get signed in tonight, if you can't find your way to a table, you can also go online and do that through our church website. Second announcement is this. Uh, Foster Parent Night Out is also getting ready to, to kick off. And I know many of you serve in that ministry. Foster Parent Night Out is a ministry where we offer respite one night a month to foster uh, families. Uh, we allow them to bring here. We work with DHS to be able to be a safe place for those families to drop off their young ones and be able to allow those parents to go and have a night off from doing that kind of uh, ministry and service to our area. And so we're able to serve those kids and love on them. And for some of the, the families, this might be their own interaction with the church and with faith and so we want to be welcoming we want to have a full staff and so we are uh, in need of a few more volunteers and so after the service out here by the elevator uh, we're going to have Sean and Molly Barnes who kind of head that up for us there to answer any questions you might have and to tell you what it what it looks like but it's a, a great way to get plugged in and serving because it's once a month it's not an every week commitment but it's such an important ministry we want to keep that going very really strong and so as we're getting ready to kick that off here I would encourage you to check out um, that sign up table as well I don't know about you but this summer has felt really busy and it's been a good busy and there is a difference between bad busy and good busy 
Good Busy uh, for us is a, a, a summer full of ministry, and there's been a lot of ministry going on here at the church, um, but there's also been a lot of ministry that has been taking place outside of the church, and missions has been a part of that. In fact, we've had seven teams this past year uh, leave from us and go out into the world, into the harvest, to do gospel work, uh, both here in Oregon and outside of Oregon and different states here uh, in, the, in, in the America and also around the world. And we actually have one team right now that's preparing to head to India in November. So there'll be eight teams over the course of 12 months of people from Salem Heights Church going out into the mission field. And so this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be in God's Word, but I'm going to be sharing some of the highlights from those trips, some of the stories. This is one of the things that uh, I've had several people come up to me uh, over the past weeks and say, hey, are we going to hear any more about the mission trips, how they went? Because if you were here with us at the beginning of the summer, uh, you were part of our missions focus in May, and we commissioned all those teams. We brought them up. We prayed over them. We said, they're going out. And so this morning, I'm going to share some of the things that God has done. But before we get to the stories, I want to get to the Word. Because the reason we come together on a Sunday morning is to let God speak for Himself, because He has spoken. Amen? And I want us to see in the Word of God why this is a good thing for us to take time on a Sunday morning to celebrate, to testify, to hear the stories. Why is that a good thing for the church to do? And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 14. Our introduction in your notes is a, a little story that was out of a book called Gaining by Losing by Pastor J.D. Greer. And he shares a story about a grandfather and his grandson. He wrote this, I once heard a story about an old grandfather sitting lazily on the porch of his country home with his grandson, his six dogs lying underneath the porch. About 100 yards across the field, a rabbit darted out of the bush, started back at the house for just a second, then disappeared into the undergrowth. One of the dogs perked up, let out a short bark, and took off across the field. Immediately, the other five dogs jumped to their feet, yapping excitedly in hot pursuit of the first dog. The grandfather said to his grandson, Son, let me tell you what is about to happen. In about ten minutes, the other five dogs are going to come back, one by one, head hungs and tongues out. In about thirty minutes, that first dog will come back with a rabbit in his mouth. Sure enough, that's what happened. The grandson asked, How did you know? The grandfather replied, because that first dog you see is the only one who actually saw the rabbit. The others were just running and yapping because there was some excitement. <laughs> like those first five dogs, a lot of people in the church get swept up in the passion of a good sermon and start to yap and run, one by one. However, they come back, heads hung low, tongues out, clamoring for the way the things used to be. Only those who have really seen the rabbit keep running until they catch him. The only thing that enables members to push through the weariness of constant inconvenience required for change, the only thing that sustains the motivation to sacrifice again and again, is glimpsing the vision of what God wants to give. Amen. So this morning as I share some of the stories and the highlights from several mission trips that we've been able to have our people participate in this year, I don't want to just merely pass along information, but I want us all to catch a glimpse of what God is doing and has done in the lives of you and me. Amen. I want us to see it. And so as we turn our attention to God's word, we're going to see that sharing testimonies after a mission season, coming back and telling the church, gathering together, is nothing new. In fact, it is the final and essential ingredient to a successful mission trip. And so if you have your Bibles open, would you please stand with me if you're able 
And we're going to read Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. It says this, And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed and fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and they had spoken the word in Perga, and they went down to Attilia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that he had accomplished. And when they had arrived, they gathered the church together. They began to report all the things that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Do you believe there's something in there for us this morning? Amen. There is. You may be seated. God, as we uh, turn our attention to your word for these few moments this morning, I pray that your eternal word would stir us up. I pray that it would speak to our hearts, God. And as your Holy Spirit begins to draw light to it, help us give us understanding that we would walk away challenged and encouraged by your glory. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. One of the things that I've, I've heard just in conversation over the last couple of years is the question has come up, why are we spending so much time in missions? It seems like we're spending a lot of focus. We're talking about missions a lot. And I think that question has come out of maybe a little bit of concern that if we focus too much in one area, that another area will start to slip or start to dip. And one of the things that I want you to hear from us, and, and us, at, at me as a representation this morning of our staff and our elders, is this. We don't want to do missions to the detriment of the church. But we believe that participation in mission work, going on these trips, serving outside of our comfort zones, using our finances and our resources and our skills to go and share the gospel and to serve those who don't know Christ, or perhaps encourage those who are doing the work of Christ in places where it's very hard and there's lots of persecution. To us, that is one of the reasons why we believe there is life in our church today. Because there's something accomplished on the mission field that cannot be accomplished within the four walls of the church. And so we want to send them out to the harvest with the gospel message in hand to share that gospel so that people will give their lives to Christ or that those who are serving in the ministry will remain faithful to God's word in the midst of persecution, and then that those people will be so inspired by what they see on that trip that they will come back and they will be ignited, they will be energized, they will not be able to contain it inside of them. They have to continue to do God's work because they've seen it in action. They've seen what God is doing. And so we believe that missions is a transformational tool for the individual believer, for families, and for our church. Many of you, as I look around the room this morning, have participated in a mission trip. And you're a faithful attender. And you're serving. But that's not because of eloquence from up front. That's not because of anything that we're going to guarantee we're going to give you. It's because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good for yourself. You want to continue to come and have that, that reminding be stirred up so that you remain faithful to the life that God has called you to. 
But a successful mission trip doesn't just happen. And one of the ways that we've described the many components that go into a successful mission trip is uh, by kind of relating them to the ingredients of a, a pie. In fact, back in 2007, Pastor Justin preached a sermon called Missions Pie. And since that point, we continue to use that as an illustration to explain this blueprint that we see in Acts chapter 13 and 14. We read the, just the last portion of Acts chapter 14 this morning, but if you were to go back in your own time this week and start in chapter 13, you're going to see this is where Paul was first commissioned for his first missionary journey. It says there was a group of people, a group of men, leaders in the church in Antioch. They're praying, and during that prayer, God affirms in all of them to set apart Paul and Barnabas and send them off, support them and send them to go do missionary work. And in chapter 13 and 14, we see these different experiences that Paul had along the way. And what we see in there is these many facets, because just like making a pie, it's not only the ingredients that we have that we need to make the pie, but there's a process and a progress that we have to do it in the right order in order to get the best final product. In your notes, we see a, a little diagram that we have there, but there are several ingredients needed to have a successful mission trip. The first, it, every mission trip has to be bathed in prayer. It has to start in prayer. It has to be, God, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to uh, go and minister? Who do you want us to minister to or with? What is the work that you're calling us to do? We believe that out of that prayer, God will call those he wants to send to that place and those he wants to send to that place and those he wants to minister right here and those he wants to minister down the street. See, God's calling us to minister in all places not just internationally, not just out of state or in eastern Oregon. He's calling us to minister in our homes. He's calling us to minister at our jobs. He's calling us to minister with our neighbors. And so when he calls you, the next thing we see as you read through this story of Paul's first missionary journey is that he will empower you spiritually. He will equip you in a way to do the work that he's called you to do. He doesn't send you out in a place and say, okay, try to figure it out. He might pull you out of your comfort zone, he might call you. He might give you an invitation. Someone in the church might come to you and say, hey, would you join me here? Hey, would you think about doing this? And it might cause you to be stretched, but God, if he's calling you, he will equip you for that work. And then he will always give you a gospel focus because that's what we're called to do. It's not just about humanitarian need and aid, although that's really important and good to take care of those who don't have much, who are hurting or sick. But the focus is always the gospel. That's the message. That's the only thing we have really that's worth of any value eternally is God's message. But he doesn't just want us to stop there. And what we see here in this text, and we just read this morning, is that he wants to see follow-up discipleship. Paul goes back to these places that he went to earlier on in chapter 13, and he visits them on his way back to where he started. And many of the places that we've been doing mission work here at Salem Heights have been places we're returning to, to continue to encourage missionaries, to continue to pour into lives that have been radically changed, not by us, but by the gospel, and to be brothers and sisters now with them in Christ to go and encourage them on how to study the word of God for themselves. But that takes partnership, and that's the next ingredient. Partnership with a church, partnership with indigenous people who know the culture, who are there, who are called there permanently, who can be the ones following up and pouring into them. And that's going to require the next ingredient, perseverance, because there's going to be opposition. There's going to be spiritual warfare. There's going to be physical warfare sometimes. There's going to be things that seem insurmountable. But we need to persevere because the one who called us is able. Amen. He's able to do that. 
And so this morning, I want us to focus on this last ingredient because it's part of us as this ministry year and missions comes to an end here this summer and into November. This is the last ingredient that we as a church need to all participate in, and that is celebration. And there's a few reasons why uh, I think it's important for us to do that this morning, and we see them here specifically in Acts chapter 14, verse 27. The first reason why it's important for us to take time on a Sunday morning to tell of the goodness of God, to tell of the stories that have happened, tell the things that he has done, is because testimonies put God on display. Testimonies put God on display. They remind us how big God is. And that's what I'm hoping, one of the things you'll walk away with this morning, how big your God is. He's bigger than anything that we will ever face on a mission trip. He has the means and the power and the authority to intervene and to provide for everything you will face in ministry. He does it. And that's really the purpose of a testimony, is to share what God has done, not what we have done. And I think you'll see that this morning. It says here that when they had arrived back in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas gathered the church together and began to report all the things that God had done, how he had opened the door. We are called in scriptures to be people who testify to what God is doing, amen? That we are to look at our lives and not go, man, I accomplished that. That was me. That's the result of a lot of years of planning and hard work, but that in everything, it's all from him. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so we need to declare that. We see that throughout the scriptures, people doing that. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 66, 16. that says, come and hear all you who fear God or all who, who are in awe of God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Come and listen to my story, but don't, don't think about me. I'm gonna tell you what God has done in my life. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you're going to draw attention to something, don't draw it to yourself. Point it back to the one who actually did it through you and in you. And despite all of your weaknesses and shortcomings. So Paul gathers the people together and he reports all the things that God had done. How he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And that can't be seen as just an insignificant little part of the historical narrative text here that he had opened the door to the Gentiles. This was an incredible feat, that God would take the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down from heaven in the flesh, lived a perfect life so that he could take on the sins of all mankind, and he paid for them, absorbing all of God's wrath towards sin on the cross. He died a physical death, was buried in a grave, but three days later he rose again, being testified and affirmed by many, many witnesses, proving that he is not only a good man. He is God. And he did that. But he didn't just do it for the, the people whom he chose to send that Savior through, the, the people of Israel. Then he took that message and he took it out to the Gentiles, to a people who culturally weren't anticipating the Messiah. They weren't looking forward to the Messiah. They had their own false religions. They had their own issues. And yet the gospel is incredible because you can take it into any culture, speak to any person with any background, with any experience, in any kind of life circumstance, whether it's done to them or the result of their own sabotage. And the gospel will meet every person on the planet where they're at. And it will give them the solution that they need. 
Paul says, let's get together and talk about what God did, how he did. He opened the door to the Gentiles. Can you believe that? The Gentiles. No one wants to talk to the Gentiles. That they would never listen, but God opened the door of faith to them because God is big. The second thing a testimony does is it stirs up faith in others. It reminds us that God is real. Have you seen the power of God? The Bible says that any of us can see it just by looking around creation. So if you've been out and about this summer, you've been to the the coast, you've been to the mountains, you've been somewhere else in the world, the Bible says just looking around, if you will stop for a second, take the headphones out and just look, you will see his divine power and eternal attributes and glory on display. But have you seen it? Have you seen the power of God? Where do you see it? I believe God's provision in these testimonies, God's provision that he does in our lives and in these mission trips specifically, his provision is the evidence of his power. I think sometimes we feel like God is far off, that he's not close, that he's not really at work. Maybe sometimes we don't sense him. We don't feel like I've really had a connection. We use these kind of words. But God is real. God is at work within his creation. God is changing lives. God is bringing light to darkness. He's taking hearts of stone and turning them into hearts of flesh. He's giving people a passion to live for him and not for themselves any longer. God is doing that. And so when we testify, we stir up the faith in others because for us, we might not have maybe gone on the trip, but to hear what somebody else experienced, what God did for them, through them, in them, stirs us up to go, yes, that's my God. I can trust him. I need to live for him. Why do I keep fighting him? Why do I keep seeking my own way? And so we, by listening to the testimonies of others, get a glimpse of the rabbit. We get a glimpse of God. We see him and we want him. And we're not gonna stop pursuing him until we are with him. Testimonies help us with that. But the last thing a testimony does is it reminds us that everyone, that everyone that is willing, that's the only qualification that is needed. He doesn't need the smartest, the strongest, those with lots of experience. He just needs a willing heart. A testimony reminds us that God is able to use the least of these. Now, that's not a personal statement about anyone who served on a mission trip this year. We've had lots of people who've gone with lots of experience, lots of gifts and skills to use. But those, that's, that wasn't why the trip was successful. No, God did it through them. I look what it says here. He says, began to report all the things that God had done with them. The, the, the testimony starts, this is what God did in me. These were the, the, the fears. These were the, the wrong ideas, even the wrong motivations that I went into this opportunity to serve And look what God, he was so faithful and patient with me. And God did this in me. He began to change me from the inside out. He began to open my eyes to things I had no idea he was going to do by just being willing to go. I've talked to many of you, even in the room this morning, I've I've invited to coffee. and, and, And I don't always ask you to do something when I invite you to coffee, but I invite him to coffee and I say, hey, I think you'd be great on this trip. And they're like, I knew I shouldn't have stopped to talk to Pete today. (laughs) And they go on the trip, and time after time again, they are not saying, man, thanks, Pete. Couldn't have done it unless you asked me. Like, man, 
thank you, Lord. God has done this amazing thing, and I got to be a part of it. All he needs is a willing heart, and God will equip you to do the rest. So that's why it's important for us to do that this morning. Do we see it? It's important because we're going to put God on display, hopefully stir your faith up to go, man, that's my God, and leave here energized, but also to convict us or challenge us to, even in this next year, am I willing to step out where God is calling me to? Because for some of us, he's not going to call you to join a mission trip this year. He might be just calling you to participate in a small group or a discipleship group or to go serve in youth ministry or children's ministry or to be a part of Foster Parent Night Out. For some of you, he's going to call you to be part of a mission trip, and you're like, I can't see myself doing that. That's too hard. I don't have the finances. But are you willing? Because I hope that you will see that a willing heart is all God needs to use you and to do something in you and through you as a part of the family of God. So I know that our notes are finished, but don't turn off your minds. That's what I used to tell to my students when I was a teacher. Okay. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to blast through this. I've got a couple of stories I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to kind of highlight all the different trips that we've been on in the last year. And hopefully this will be a really great encouragement to you. The first one we took was back in uh, February to Haiti. And a team of 15 people went to work with FGIM, Future Generations International Missions. Uh, for the last five years, we've sent seven teams to Haiti. We can go ahead and throw that next picture up there. And uh, an amazing opportunity. Uh, we had uh, this opportunity to work again with uh, Pierre and Laurafine St. Louis, uh, dear friends. They've been here for many years. And so this team went. And, and the, the women had an opportunity to do a women's Bible study for many days there, four days, in fact. They got to work with the, the women who work at the orphanage there. And this is a picture of them. And they were able to lead them in a Bible study about walking with God. And then Pastor Pierre asked the men to lead a conference on relationships now think about that. What if we were to say, hey, men, we're going to have a conference on relationships. Would you come to it? I don't know. But Pastor Pierre asked us, and they had a great turnout. We have a picture of all the guys who came, several nights talking about relationships. And in fact, two men gave their life to Christ through that conference. And they were able to open up uh, discussion points for Pierre and his staff to continue uh, within the congregation and through these men to continue to talk about godly relationships, what it looks like to lead families, to be a godly husband, to have the right motivation. And doors were opened to ongoing counseling and discipleship. Uh, they spent time with uh, kids at the orphanage. They were able to do a workshop for their worship team there. We sent a couple of our worship team people down there to help them with how do you lead a worship service at church. Uh, they did some construction projects, but they were, number, another thing, they were able to encourage the missionaries down there. Fifteen people went down there. Two lives changed forever. A lot of people continued to be invested in to help them continue to do it. And if you, haven't, if you don't know this, Haiti's been in a lot of civil unrest this year. But those people are faithful. Those little kids there need that love. They need to hear about the gospel. They need to be raised up to be the next generation of the church in Haiti. We were able to do that. Our God did that. There were people on this trip that went for the first time, didn't know how they were going to get off work in the middle of the year. February is not vacation time. To go to Haiti on bumpy roads and in hot, humid conditions, and they, they served faithfully, and it came back and reported that God met them there, that he was real, that people gave their lives to Christ because the gospel is still changing lives. Isn't that awesome? We had uh, three different teams go over to three different towns in eastern Oregon this year. Seventy people got to go and serve in different places. 
uh, across, and they would put on vacation Bible schools in the towns of Monument, Ukiah, and Halfway. If you haven't been to those places, it's probably because you're not heading to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they are in the middle of nowhere, and yet they have little churches there who are preaching the gospel faithfully, and they have a desire to reach their community, but just sheer numbers, they don't have the infrastructure, the, the supplies, the resources, or just even the knowledge of how to do that. We come in, we partner with them, we put on community events like Girls' Night Out. We, we do things with their high school and middle school youth, and we've even put on barbecues and block parties so we can build relationships with that church, help them be able to connect better with their local community, and then we leave them there supported and encouraged to continue the discipleship. This is a picture from Monument. Monument typically has had about 40 kids, and so we planned for 40 kids. This year they had over 60 show up from all the little towns, all surrounding this. And again, you can imagine when you're, you're hoping for a kind of a, a miracle from Jesus because you need him to multiply, not the loaves and fishes here, but the hot dogs and hamburgers. When you plan for 40 and 60 show up, but God was faithful. They were able to feed all the kids, they were able to do all the events, be able to, to witness to these kids, see kids come to the Lord. Uh, we sent a team to, to Ukiah. I, I don't have a picture from Ukiah, but they went out there and they were able to baptize seven people in the community park right in the middle of town. They hauled a bathtub into the town, filled it up, and baptized seven people there. And here's the awesome thing about that story. Some of the people that were baptized were Salem hiders. That God had said, they said, yes, I'll go and serve. And they get there on the field and God so works in them as they're doing the missionary work. They say, I have to, I have decided, I got to let everybody know, I want to be baptized as well. What an awesome story. That's a real God. That's, that's a God who is, who's saying, if you're willing, I will give you what you need. For the first time, we sent a team to Halfway this year. Halfway's in the northeast part uh, of our state. It, it is a beautiful little town. We got to work with Pine Baptist Church. This is uh, the guy kneeling down there. That's Kevin. He's the youth director. He's the son-in-law of the pastor, Sean Thatcher. Sean was a, a, a person who was ministered to by Pastor Ron in the Steps ministry. So that's how we're connected with Halfway. But they put on a, a VBS, and we were able to send over our team of eight people for this first year to go over, and they put on a great VBS. And I talked with Kevin last week. He's so thankful for that uh, and excited to continue that partnership but I had this story kind of relate to me, and it's a pretty amazing story. They did a ladies' night out. So they did VBS, and then they ran over to this little coffee shop in town of Halfway, and they put, on a, uh, they put on a ladies' night out. And one of the ladies that came, her name was Shelly. She wasn't part of the church. In fact, she, she's not really religious, maybe some religious background, but really she's just hungry for connection with other women. And so she came, and so she was so excited, had such a great time. And she said, will you guys come back and do this? And, and our team would say, well, hey, let me get you connected to the, the church here. And so they exchanged information, and, and she was still a little bit hesitant, like, I'm not sure I want to go to church. I just want to have more connection. Well, why don't you come to this block party? We're going to put on this big barbecue at the end of the week, and, and oh, no, we're going to be out of town. And so they began to pray for her and with her. And to their surprise, at the end of the week, Shelly showed up. They were able to encourage her again, connect her with more people from the church and encourage her to be part of that, that church uh, and to get connected with other women, but also to learn more about the life that Jesus has to offer. Amen. Just going to a local coffee shop, 
doing some crafts, having a, a, an encouraging lesson, was able to draw a woman in who maybe wouldn't have come, and now she's connected with that church there, and we'll pray for Shelly, that Shelly will come to faith in Jesus Christ, and maybe when we turn next year, she will be serving with her son at VBS. Wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not because of what we did. It was that we said, we're willing to go. God is big. We're going to put this on. We don't know who will show up, but we're going to minister to whoever's here, and lives are changed. Connections were made through that. They put on a block party at the end of the week. Uh, Halfway's had, I have the next picture up there. Halfway's had some other ministries come through and, and it, they've had maybe a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth because they just haven't really left a great impression. But the town, from what Kevin says, they're eager to have us come back and serve. But I think partly it's because we've just, we just loved on people and served. We put on a block party. Here's a picture of it outside the church there and just got the bounce houses and events and connected more people with the church. It was a, a great opportunity. And in a little town like this, this is the thing to talk about for weeks and weeks. And God did that through eight people who were willing to go. And uh, we're excited to partner with them again. We returned back to Arizona this year after several years away from the Reds. We went to a new place called Tulani Lake in Arizona, and we sent uh, this team up there, 31 missionaries, to go partner with uh, two permanent missionaries in this area, uh, named Rob and Barb Ornalis, um, part of the Nizhoni Partnership. Uh, they work with the Navajo people down there. They conducted a vacation Bible school that had 60 kids at it, which was amazing because there were other ministries in the area that day, but God uh, created this opportunity, and they had this new place, had a, a big gym for them to meet in, so you could see all those kids there and worship, uh, what was really cool is that gal playing the keyboard. That's Grace Duffus. Grace attended here for a long time and since moved to Arizona, but she joined the team and just served that week because she wanted to be a part of it. Uh, they had uh, kids come to the Lord, and each night they conducted an adult Bible study of a picture of that where they were just getting more kids and, and people together and talking to them and pouring into them. And one of the things that was incredible about how God showed up on this trip was that there was sickness that went through our whole team. Like, people were, like, really sick, like, too graphic for church sick. So I'm just going to say they were really sick. And still, like, there were, there were stories of people saying, I'm so sick, but there are three kids here that want to talk to me, and I have to take advantage of this opportunity to share Christ. Or the ones who didn't get sick were, like, staying up all night, just cleaning up after people with just the most joyous attitudes. That's God in them. God showed up. He equipped those who were strong while the other ones were weak, and then vice versa. And we were able to go into this town with a lot of negative spiritual warfare, with just the paganism that runs rampant in the Navajo Reservation, be able to take the good news. Not only that, but doors are opening up for us to go next year to two locations, to not only do VBS and community outreach, but to take the most excellent way materials down there, Addictions Victory, down to the reservation, to be able to, be able to train people and, and encourage those who are lost in their addictions. Um, this was a brand new place. Um, right on the edge of potential monsoon season in Arizona, and yet those 31 people went faithfully and served the Lord, and we're excited to continue there. Be Bold went to the Philippines again this year. Be Bold is, is, is you know, they're a nonprofit, but they're part of us. But if you haven't heard, over 3,000 people raised their hand to make a profession of faith to the work that Be Bold did in the Philippines. 3,000. That is huge. Um, in this picture we see here, this is at a, a, a prison. Uh, all those prisoners raising their hand if they want to receive Jesus Christ. Uh, the most excellent way was implemented again in church and prisons. But there's a story that came out that I think is just, again, what God does when we say, I'm willing, because God is real and he's able. There was a little gal named Freya May. 
And the team first met her on Hell Street, not a good place. They had stopped there to share the gospel, and Carly and Anna shared their testimony, and 50 people gave their life to Christ, and one of those was Freya May. And they learned, uh, talking to the family, that she had a sickness and that she was going to die if she didn't get treatment. So the team prayed with her and her grandmother, and Be Bold uh, gave them some of the money to get started on that, get started with the treatment at the hospital. And since that, Be Bold, their, their, their leadership team has felt compelled to continue to give to support this little girl. And we got reports now that she is getting better, she's getting stronger. This next picture is that she's been able to go back to church. She's there in the red shirt. She's been able to go back to church and be more part of that community. And why is that so amazing? It's because it's not just what Be Bold is doing in the finances, but many of you are supporting Be Bold and what they're doing. But God is allowing us to be his hands and feet. Had those people not gone to the Philippines, perhaps somebody else would have come by. God can do whatever he wants to do, but he chose that group of people to be in Hell Street at that time to meet Freya May, and he gave them a choice. And they could have said, well, we're not really set up to do that, but they didn't do that. They said, here, this is what we can do for now, and we'll, we'll pray for you, and we'll come back. This is an amazing story, and these people are sending us pictures. Look at all those Hope Dealer t-shirts in the Philippines. This is a story of what God is doing through willing hearts. We returned back to Guatemala after a few years away. A team of 24 went to Guatemala, and uh, they, they were able to do lots of community outreach and be able to go into different pockets. Uh, pastor Justin led another pastor's conference for many, many pastors in this area. He worked through his Job series that he did for us. Um, these pastors uh, are not having these opportunities, the access to get uh, training in, in their pastoral ministry. And yet, so Pastor Justin comes down there and they, they come and he's able to encourage them. Uh, the team was able to go into the cities of Solomon and San Geronimo and be able to share the gospel, do a lot of community outreach, be able to take the gospel into places uh, that um, need it. And then they were able to, this team, be able to visit three compassion centers uh, with Compassion International in that area and to visit many of the kids that are sponsored by Salem Hiders down in that area of the world. And these pastors are excited to go back now into their communities and continue to teach God's word, be committed to the gospel, be committed to teaching the Bible and not any other man's ideas. It's an amazing, amazing thing. We were able to go back to Latvia this year. We had a team of 12 return uh, to Eastern Europe to serve with Josiah Venture in Limbaji Baptist Church. This is a picture of Limbaji Baptist Church, and that is their pastor right there. His name is Martinch. And Martinch uh, pulled me aside, and, and we were talking. I've got to develop a relationship with him over the last couple of years. And, and he was sharing with the team actually right here that the biggest growth in their church has been in their youth program since Josiah Venture missionaries and short-term teams have come over and invested in that community, this little town of Limbagee, and their, their youth program, which was two, literally two kids, the pastor's kid and the missionary's kid a couple years ago, is now up to 30 kids in their youth ministry that have been reached out by camps, and then they're there to continue the work of discipleship throughout the year, and these kids are staying connected and following Jesus in uh, former Soviet Union, uh, Latvia. But Martin pulled me aside and he said, here's the crazy thing. I, I don't understand why you would come all the way from America to our church. He said, you believe in our church more than our own people believe in our church. 
And that just is so motivating for me as a, as a young preacher in a small little town called to preach the gospel. And they are thankful, and we're able to reach out. We spent some time in Limbaji getting to know the team and to get trained, and then we went to camp, and we teach English to the kids, and this is Russ and Pam Williams teaching English, and we're just teaching them conversational English to high schoolers and middle schoolers. We're having a bunch of fun with them during the day, but then every night the gospel is clearly presented, and we had uh, two kids profess faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, which is amazing in a culture that's very um, not into that. In their culture, they're not, they're not opposed to the idea of God, but they don't see why Jesus is any better than any other form of paganism or any other idea of God. It's a pretty amazing trip. But the ability to go and encourage a pastor called to a little town that he's not from to pastor a little church that's over 100 years old, but about 30 to 40 people. And he'd be able to say, hey, you matter to God. Keep fighting the good fight. That's an amazing thing. And so these are just a little bit of the pictures of where we've gone in the last year. All those people together, probably close to 200 Salem hiders that said, yes, I will go. God, I'm willing. I need you to help me get there. One of the things I wanted to take this time as we wrap up this morning is uh, I have a, just a quick announcement. And many of you probably already know this, but part of this was able, I was able to kind of to talk with and work through when I was in Latvia. But in case you haven't heard, um, both of our, our long-term permanent missionaries that we have sent out from our church, uh, Tim and Mary Dady from Latvia and uh, Patrick and uh, Becky Patterson in East Asia, um, have both over the last few months um, come, to, come to the conclusion that God is pulling them off of the mission field. And we really wanted everyone to know this um, because many of you are supporting them in ministry, and so perhaps you've already got their newsletter. But as you begin to hear this, okay, they're coming home, I think there could be a temptation to kind of go, oh, kind of feeling like, what happened? But what we want you to know as we work with them and as I get to work with them directly is that this is not um, something to be sad about. This is not failure. This, is, this should be a celebration of faith, four faithful years for the deities, I think around the same amount for the Pattersons, of faithful service as full-time missionaries in other parts of the world. They, they, they finished well that season, and now God is bringing them home. Just to give you a little bit more information, the Dady family, uh, they, their oldest son, Lucas, uh, they've been able to identify that he has some, some educational and special needs that they need to bring him home and to be able to pour into him because that's their responsibility as parents. That they weren't going to get that support in Latvia. And also through the time of this past couple of years as they've been serving there, you know, Tim's ministry gifting has become a little clearer and uh, the role that he was there to do just wasn't lining up and so they need to kind of step back and reassess where is God calling them next? So they're going to be back here in Salem in October. They're moving back to Salem. They're going to get plugged back in, and we're going to support them and pray with them. Where does God want them to go next? When does God, if God wants them to go next? But we need to be ready as a church to bring them in because they have served faithfully, and they're finishing very, very well there in Latvia. Uh, Patrick and Becky, uh, talking to them. Uh, ministry's been very hard, and in case you haven't heard, in East Asia, persecution is the highest it's been, that many missions organizations are pulling out of different places in East Asia because it is just so dangerous, and they are cracking down intentionally on those churches. And so they were here on home assignment. They were ready to go back, but then they were, they were just encouraged, you should not come back. It is not good right now. It is, it is very hard. 
The other thing is that you can tell in that picture, and I haven't heard if they've had their baby yet. It could be any time. They haven't had it already. But they could end up going back with a newborn infant and then be told to leave East Asia, but because their baby doesn't have a passport, they couldn't take their baby with them. So they did not want to take that chance either. And so their missions organization is, has a program for 10 months for them. They're going to be in Orlando working at a headquarters there. Patrick's going to be working on strategy for how to reach East Asia. And they're going to be able to get nurtured and be able to have the baby and kind of get settled and reassess where does God want them to go next. Both of these families are finishing well. We want you to know that. Uh, they'll give you instructions. If you're a financial giver, they'll give you instructions on what to do. But continue to support them until they say they no longer need your support because they're both still doing ministry um, at this time, and so we just wanted to encourage you guys with that. And so the whole point of a morning like this is to gather us together and to share what God has done in us and through us and the doors that he has opened. The hope is that when we give these testimonies and we celebrate and we share, that we see how big God is, that we're reminded how real he is, that he is at work today in our world and in our town and in our church. And that all he needs is a willing heart because he is able to equip those who say yes to him to go and serve wherever he calls them to be. Are you willing? Here in a few weeks, we're going to be having a, a, a meeting called Missions 101 on, on Sunday, September 22nd. If you perhaps this morning, they're kind of going, man, I want to be a part of something like that. I would encourage you to come to this. We're going we're to share more about where we're heading next year in 2020, the different trips. Um, this, is, this is primarily a class for those who haven't been on a mission trip, who want to know, like, what's it going to cost? What's it going, not just fit financially, but like, what is it going to expect from me? We'd love to be able to share that with you, so I'd encourage you to check that out. But are you willing? That's my question I want to leave us with this morning. Are you willing to plug into a small group, even if you're going to have to adjust something else in your schedule during the week? Are you willing to go to men's or women's discipleship, even if you've already taken John or Galatians or James or First and Second Peter before? Are, are you willing to go and serve at Foster Parent Night Out? Are you willing to go on a short-term mission trip this year? What are you willing to do? What is God calling you to? And are you willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. My prayer is that you would say, yes, I am. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for our church. I thank you for these stories. I thank you for the fact that we're not sharing the stories of somebody else and what will happen if someone else goes or what has happened because someone else is gone, but these are our stories, Lord. God, I thank you for um, the many Salem hiders that have served, not just on mission trips, but in our church and in our community who are being energized by their love for you, by the, the truth from your word, and who are going out into our community and into our, and into our uh, schools and serving to let people know that God is good, he is big, he is real, and he is able. God, help us to have a passion to follow you wherever you send us. Stir us up, God, for your glory. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.